podcast 69, June 22nd, 2022. On today's podcast, I will first address five interesting questions and then finish reading from chapter three of my first investment book, Income and Wealth from Self-Directed Investing. This chapter is timely as it covers what happened to me in the market crash in 2000, which reminds me very much as what we are experiencing in 2022. My name is Ian Duncan MacDonald. I am the author of four investment books. Question number one. Why would bonds and stock ETFs increase in value when the Federal Bank raised interest rates by 0.75%. It would be because some money managers can see the pendulum swinging back to a more normal time of greater stability and have redirected their investment money into the more stable bond and ETFs. When too many stocks become illogically expensive, For example, extremely high price-to-earning ratios, book values, a tiny percentage of the share price, and so on. If enough investors recognize this reality, then the market crashes. Out-of-control markets need to crash to reset prices and bring stability back to the investment market. Bonds and some ETFs are viewed as stable investments and become suddenly more attractive to those now fearing the current stock market volatility. Once stability is achieved, stability will start to again be eroded by investors who with stability become optimistic about their investing. They will take greater speculative chances to achieve greater returns from their investing. Seeing only a prosperous, stable future, they will not hesitate to go into debt. As they become deeper and deeper in debt, the economy will become more and more unstable until it evolves into a necessary recession or market crash. As stability deteriorates, the memories of previous market crashes and recessions will lead to more and more investors questioning when will be the next crash and recession. Is it going to occur this year? Next year? The very uncertainty of the timing is a destabilizing factor and leads to the inevitable market crash and recession. This is why I am not a speculator chasing dreams of quick riches in volatile investments. For 20 years, in anticipation of the next market crash, I only invest in a diversified portfolio of 20 to 30 stocks that for 10 years or more have proven to be financially strong companies paying ever higher dividends from their profits. Ever-increasing dividend payments are the easiest way to identify profitable, strong companies. The primary objective of the executives of a company is to make revenue and expense decisions that result in profits. You are purchasing their expertise when you buy shares in such companies. 
You can see in easily obtainable historical records that such companies pay out their stable dividends even during market crashes and recessions, even when their shares may have temporarily dropped by as much as 50% before again rising to record highs as the recession became just a memory. Over the years, as the share prices keep reaching new highs, even a temporary drop of 50% leaves your portfolio far, far higher than when you first established such a portfolio. If you live off your dividend income, current share prices almost become irrelevant. The supposed fact that most investors are speculators who choose to ignore history puzzles me. Question number two. My investment advisor has mishandled my assets. I have lost a great deal of money. How do I regain my losses? If you were a self-directed investor, you would have no one to blame for these losses but yourself. As a self-directed investor, you would soon recognize that by taking an investment advisor out of the picture, you've removed a drain on your wealth perhaps as high as 5% a year, every year, whether your portfolio increases in value or not. This drain can add up to hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. Money that should be invested, making money for you instead of lining your investment advisor's pockets. Your investment advisor is no smarter than you, and is definitely not as motivated as you are to safely manage your money. If you were a self-directed investor, you would know exactly what you were invested in and why you were invested in it. It seems obvious to state it, but no one is going to care as much about your portfolio as you do. In 2000, my investment advisor was responsible for the loss of $300,000 in my portfolio. Back then, I really did not understand what I was invested in, nor did I understand how much I was paying to have someone manage my investments. That loss gave me the motivation to take control of what money I had left. I felt I had no option but to learn how to invest it safely as a self-directed investor if I was going to survive when I retired. It has not been difficult to increase my portfolio by 500% since then and to provide myself with an annual rising six-digit dividend income. How much more do you have to lose before you will be motivated to take safe control of your money? I see my books website, videos, and podcasts as my revenge against the financial service industry that still goes out of its way to promote the idea that it is impossible for mere mortals to understand how to invest safely and well. Question number three. Can investors make money 
during a stock market crash? Interestingly, if you invest in financially strong stocks that have paid ever-increasing dividends for a decade or more, you know these regular dividends get paid right through the recessions 95% of the time. This can easily be proven by looking at dividend payments for the last 20 years of such companies. Some of these companies even increase their dividends during the recession. If you get hold of a copy of my American High Dividend Handbook or the Canadian High Dividend Handbook, you can easily see many examples. Thus, while your share price may drop by 50% during the recession, the dividends are not impacted. By having a portfolio of 20 such stocks, the odd one or two that deviate from this established dividend behavior are hardly noticeable. How can this be possible? It is possible because share prices are controlled by speculators. However, profits from which the dividends are paid are controlled by the executives of a company. Their expense and revenue decisions are focused on the priority of making a profit because they know without a profit, a company will soon cease to exist. Thus, if revenues are impacted by the recession, these executives are going to cut expenses to make sure the profit objective is met. One major expense that is often cut is the number of employees. These financially strong companies paying high dividends are often the first stocks to regain their record high share prices as the impact of the recession withers. This is why holders of such stocks do not panic and sell their stocks in fear of a recession. Unlike fearful speculators, they sit back, relax, live off their dividend income, and wait patiently for the rebound. Question number four. If the price of a stock is determined by supply and demand, how can you predict what the price will be? To say that the price of a stock is determined by supply and demand gives the impression that someone is sitting there adjusting share prices. It doesn't work like that because the stock market is too fluid. It is an auction vehicle in which if you wish to sell or buy a stock, someone must be willing to buy the stock at the sell price you are bidding. It is a communication action between pessimists who think the stock is going to decline in price, and optimists who think the stock is going to increase in price, with perhaps thousands of optimists and pessimists communicating their bids, it is impossible to accurately predict what price is going to appear in the next minute, the next hour, the next day, or next month. The executives of companies who make the revenue and expense decisions that result in profits believe that they can influence the optimists 
by creating profits to appeal to more optimists than pessimists. Or they can take the company profits and buy their own company's shares at a higher price than the market to create the illusion that the price is freely being bid up in the market by optimists. They do this instead of paying dividends out of the profits because their compensation is often tied into the share price. There is no mathematical formula that can accurately predict future prices. Interestingly, what is predictable are profits and dividend payouts of financially strong companies. You can easily obtain decades of historical dividend payout records showing regular, ever-increasing dividend payouts even during recessions and market crashes. Usually, the dividend payments rise faster than the share prices. Question number five. When is a good time to buy a mutual fund? Never. They are a lousy investment meant to make investment advisors and their firms rich, not you. Most investors in mutual funds have only a vague idea of what the fund is invested in, why it is invested in those stocks, and how much it is invested in each of these stocks. Even if they do research on the mutual fund, they have no control over changes that can be made to it today or tomorrow. As well, very few investors have any idea of how much is being deducted from their fund each year to management. You are far better off building a portfolio of financially strong companies paying high dividends as per the American High Dividend Handbook or the Canadian High Dividend Handbook. You will then know exactly what you are invested in and why. The one-time cost to acquire the portfolio will be a tiny fraction of the percent of the standard 1% or 2% you are paying each year to your investment advisor and the 2 or 3% you are paying for the management of the mutual fund. Costs in investing are important. I am now going to read the rest of Chapter 3 from my book, Income and Wealth from Self-Directed Investing. This chapter is titled Sudden Wealth. The book was released in 2019. I begin with, Fortunately, I did learn how to invest safely and wisely. Even after living off my dividend income for the last 15 years, my portfolio is still three times larger and growing than when I began to self-direct my investments. I now have more disposable income than when I earned an executive salary. Much less of it is being eaten up by income tax. This is due to a lower tax rate charged on the dividend income than on salaried income. Recently, a teacher in his 50s asked me if I expected to run out of money before I died. I assured him that I saw no reason why my wealth would not grow until the day I met my maker. Receiving 
a large amount of money that has no specific destination is seductively easy to spend. I recommend that you adopt the attitude that this is not really your money. All you are is this generation's steward, responsible for preserving wealth for the next generation. Hopefully, you'll be able to teach the next generation how to manage it with a similar attitude. Have you found yourself with unexpected wealth? Read this book. It can prepare you to counter the onslaught of those who will be eager to get their sticky fingers on as much of your wealth as they can elicit. In addition to the sharks, you have the government wanting to take its tax bite. A smart, chartered accountant will ensure that the government gets no more than what it is entitled to. Pay your taxes. If the government comes after you for unpaid taxes, the money in your investment accounts and whatever other assets they can find will be seized. They will not be satisfied until they have everything to which they believe they are entitled. Getting disputed money back from the government is time-consuming and difficult. How to achieve financial independence or even having it as a goal is not taught in school. Our educational system is geared to turning out workers who are expected to toil away for 40 years. The idea that we were not born to be worker bees is foreign to most of us. Sooner than you think, you can, if you choose, live very well without being employed, just by changing your attitude towards money. Such an idea may seem subversive, but it is possible. This book was initially going to be directed to only those few who had suddenly received a fortune. However, there are millions who have slowly acquired wealth and stored it in savings accounts and similar low-yielding havens devoid of capital gains. For these people, their intolerance of risk makes them open to the benefits of value investing as described in this book. Safe, self-directed stock investments will protect their future far better than the meager interest rates they are now receiving. Their wealth is being depleted by inflation year after year. They really could outlive their money. You may have sufficient cash in your bank savings account to shield you from on-scene setbacks. However, a retirement that could go on for decades needs investments that will generate steady capital gains. Growing your lifetime savings faster than you've been doing may not now seem possible, but it can be done. In Chapter 11, read my tips on how you can direct more of your cash to investments. You may be surprised how quickly, with a few changes in habits and attitude, how much more income can be generated. The objective is to live as well on your investment income as you are now living on your employment income. How do you go from living paycheck to paycheck to saving $5,000? 
chapter 11 provides the ways to save money. Suppose you did save $5,000 to invest in a stock. That $5,000 would be more precious to you than $500,000 would be to a millionaire. You would want to find a stock to invest in it that was safe, paid a high dividend, with great potential for growth. This book will show you how to find that stock. After the establishment of your initial $5,000 portfolio, you can now start saving towards buying the next $5,000 worth of stocks. It will be a little easier to save for the second $5,000 because you will now be receiving a minimum of $30 in dividends every month from the initial $5,000 stock purchase. The grand objective is to acquire $5,000 worth of shares in 20 carefully chosen dividend-paying companies. The shares of all 20 companies added together would give you a safe, substantial, diversified portfolio worth $100,000. Depending on the length of time invested, the 20 shares worth $100,000 could grow at a rate of 10% a year to eventually be worth a million dollars. If you also bought more shares in the 20 companies, with the dividend incomes being realized from all 20 shares, a million dollars could be realized more quickly. Outliving your money and being ravaged by inflation would cease to be a concern. Thank you. Good night. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com. Thank you.